Just a mini recap of what we've done over this last few weeks. We're in this little series on communities and the first week I talked about the growing annoyance as we dug into the vision with this word services and how it was kind of duty focused um, and that we needed instead to be communities of Christ. No holes barred, communities following Jesus Christ who says I am the way, the truth and the life. And last week we talked about being communities of faith and we talked about the uh, the man at the gate called Beautiful, and how we should expect uh, God to do amazing things as we follow him. Um, we've outlined kind of five communities in this place, but all under one vision, one church, all under the same heading. And this morning, as we talk about being communities on mission, what I would like to talk to you about is sponge cake and aeroplanes. Because why not? Uh, here's the thing: if you're if you're looking to um, to to make a sponge cake, a Victoria sponge cake, if that is even if that is one of those, I don't know. Um, and you don't know how to make it, then what you will do is you will turn to that great fountain of knowledge. Uh, the great Google in the sky, and you will put in, how do I make a sponge? And it will then fill in the blanks for you. And you will come up with uh, the good food guide, and you'll come up with a BBC recipe. And you might, if you're lucky, get a Delia Smith recipe that's been recycled by someone else. And you'll figure out how to make a sponge cake. And you'll get the ingredients, and you'll, you know, you'll, you'll do it. And hopefully it'll work. But, if actually the challenge was not making a sponge cake, if the challenge was how can I organise the best birthday celebration for my husband, wife, son, daughter, friend, then it might not involve a Victoria sponge at all. It might involve a party and a meal and lamb shanks. Who knows? It depends on that person. It depends on what it is that you're trying to achieve. If the thing that you're trying to achieve is, I have to make a cake and no one will stop me. But if the thing that you're trying to achieve is, I, 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 want, I want a celebration with this person, then you might end up with a whole bunch of different things. One of the reasons why the Wright brothers succeeded first at flight, powered flight, was not because they were really good at flying. I mean, the bottom line is, no one really was. That's why they were trying to all figure it out. The reason why they succeeded first was not because they were really good at flying, but they were really, really good at crashing. And they set themselves to learn how to be really good at crashing and one of the things that they had to do was to make all of their kind of models so that all their trial aeroplanes so that if they crashed they could repair them again quickly and the learning cycle would be really really short you see everyone else was trying to learn how to fly they were trying to get their stuff fixed so that they could fly again that's why they got there first. 
As we come to, and I'm not going to dwell on cake and aeroplanes for too long, as we come to, um, come to today, uh, we're thinking about communities in mission, the Church of Jesus Christ in mission, and the Church of England, of which we're all a part, because you happen to be here this morning, whether you like it or not, has got a problem, and the problem is this, it's a services problem. You see, we might think it's it's all sorts of other things. We might kind of say it's a culture problem, you know. People just don't want to come to church anymore or, or they don't believe anymore or, or you know, they're, they're disappointed from what happened in World War II. I don't know about you, but, but I wasn't there, so I'm struggling to catch up with the disappointment of that, but that's one of the ways of articulating it. Undoubtedly, where we are now as a culture is different from where it was 20 years ago, or 40 years ago, or 50 years ago. But the Church of England's got a services problem. And what I mean by that is rather than try and solve this bigger thing, it spends a lot of energy just trying to put on services. You see, I'm, I'm, I'm part of this problem as well, you know. I'm, I'm in it. I'm a, I am a product of the system because I've been in this thing for however many years now. But the model is an old one. It's based on this idea, and it's not just the Church of England that has this problem. All sorts of denominations and, and churches that, that are not a denomination, they will be soon, don't worry, um, have this problem too. And the problem is, is that we think about church being an hour on a Sunday, a building, someone being in charge, and that person receiving a salary. And then a hundred or so years ago in the Church of England, some bright spark decided that actually in order for it to be legitimate, what we had to do is we had to celebrate communion every single week. And that your main service had to include communion. You know, if, if you haven't clocked it, that is a new idea. A hundred years ago, that was not the norm, even in the Church of England. The Church of England seems to be stuck on this idea, and I'm part of it, so I'm speaking to me, that we are the church for a whole nation. You know what? Last time I looked, there was quite a few other people that were doing church in the UK and doing it rather well. And as far as I understand it, we're part of that one wider family of what God is doing. We, um, we happen to meet in this building. Just if you're near a pillar, just kind of reach out and hold it or, you know, pat it or something. Go on. Yeah, it's there. You know, we meet in this, in this old building. It's been here for a little while. Uh, and we're thinking about doing this project. We put in for planning permission for it. But you know what we're not doing is we're not being curators for a, a museum project for worship as it was 100, 150, 200 years ago. That's not why we're doing this project. We're doing it because we are a community of Jesus Christ, a living, breathing family of followers of Jesus Christ. And this just happens to be the home that we meet in. I I do think it is the best option to do something with it, because you know what? If we just locked all the doors and left it closed on the hill... What kind of advert is that going to be for Jesus? 
And since we've got it, since this is the starting point, let's do something amazing with it. Oh, by the way, if you've not filled in the form online, this is a shame, absolute shameless plug. All right, I checked this morning, there were 68 responses to the planning application that we put in. 12 are uh, opposing the planning application. Uh, there's a couple of comments, and all the rest are hugely in favour and supportive, which is excellent news. Um, however, I challenged you last week to get above 50 in terms of comments. We've got a couple of days left. Let's get above 100. Come on. Wouldn't that be good? And all the people said? Yeah. And then they went online and did the form. Um, or you can do it on the back, at the back of the church if you don't like bits of paper. Um, in all seriousness, it'd be great if you responded. If you want to respond positively, that is excellent. If you do have to respond negatively, you're in perfectly entitled to do that. There is a lot of change in the Church of England. There's a lot of really good stuff going on. Uh, the renewal and reform program, you're probably not aware of it, um, is this... Uh, massive bit of work by Justin Welby and his team in order to basically simplify how the Church of England works and get the money and the people in the right places. They're doing a really, really good thing. It's a massive program. It includes church planting. It includes new initiatives for sharing faith. There are new churches popping up all over the place. It's a good, good thing. But, you know, if we try and solve the wrong problem, we'll come up with the wrong answer. If the problem that we try and solve is how can we, as the Church of England, how can we, as All Saints, be the church for everyone, providing services everywhere and never, ever closing a church, then we're trying to tackle the wrong problem. And in some ways, I still think that that is what our national church is trying to do. Let me give you a couple of numbers. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm digging around trying to do this little bit of research, um, just trying to understand what has happened with our thinking about church and priests over the last kind of 100 years. Uh, uh, interestingly, the data is not readily available. Okay, I've managed to get it as far back as 1981. If you want to go back further than that, it is locked in a library in Lambeth Palace. And uh, Tally is trying to extract it for me. Um, here are the numbers, all right? Uh, the first number is the number of clergy in relation to kind of per head of population. So let me give you the background numbers for it. Uh, in 1981, there was uh, almost 46 million people in England. Um, there were uh, 10,500 clergy. That got us to a ratio of about one member of clergy, full-time paid clergy, to 4,300 members of the population in England. If you track that forward to 2018... The numbers are a bit different. 53 million population, 72,000 clergy. Uh, that's the, uh, this is the right number on the screen. The number I've just given you is not the right number. Uh, 1 to 7,200. If you jump it forward a decade and a bit, you get to one member of paid full-time clergy to 8,500 people. Folks, we cannot 
keep doing the same thing that we did a hundred years ago and expect a different set of results. There's a definition for that. It's called insanity. To do the same thing and expect a different set of results. You know, I can't wander around being the Jane Austen version of a vicar and going and opening the Western Village Fates or whatever it might be and doing the tour of the villages on horseback expecting that everything will be okay. It will not be okay and I do not have the capacity to do it. So, we need to do something different. And this is, you know, part of this series in some senses is, is quite subtle with with how we think about ourselves and how we think about our church family. But I think it's really important. Let's just dive into uh, this passage from Acts chapter 4 and see if this can shed any light on this and help us just to understand what our response should be. Let me whiz through it really quickly for you. The first thing is that what they do is they go back to their own people, verse 23. There is this identification with a group of fellow travellers, fellow followers of Jesus. They go back to their own people. And what do they do? They make a report about what has happened. Then everyone in response raises their voices in prayer, verse 24. And how do they pray? What they do, first of all, is they remind God, or themselves probably, of God's character. You know, that is a great place to start when you're praying. If you don't know what to pray, why don't you make your, the opening of your prayer, God, Father God, you are good. If you don't know what to pray, Father God, you are good. They remind themselves of the character of God. They acknowledge that what is happening is is talked about in Scripture, verses 25 and 26. They recount the story of Jesus. You know, it is a good thing to remember in prayer the story of Jesus, what Jesus has done. We've done that this morning with bread and with wine. And then, this is my favourite bit, verse 29. You consider their threats. They take all of the problem that they're trying to wrestle with and they say, Lord, here's this problem. You consider their threats. You consider this problem. I don't think this is, an, this is a recipe for kind of saying, you know, every problem we should just take it to the Lord in prayer and then sit back and take no action at all. I don't think that's what is being advocated in this passage. But I do think we should take every problem and bring it to God and ask him to consider it. Because if we haven't heard his take on it, we're just wrestling with our own stuff. Having asked the Lord to consider the threats, to consider the problem, having said that it's for him to solve, They then ask for him to come and move and to stretch out his hand, to do signs and wonders and miracles, to do more of the stuff that got them in trouble, to do more of the things that raise questions and eyebrows. 
And the response in verse 31 is that the Holy Spirit shook the place. The Holy Spirit shook the place. You know, I've, I've been in places where you kind of, you're worshipping away and, and then the, the atmosphere gets so thick with the presence of God that you just do not want to get out of your seat or get off the floor. You know, and I, I long for us when we meet for the presence of God to be so heavy in this place that we find it difficult to leave. One of the ways we get into, into that place is through worship. That's why I'm so delighted that, that Joe is here. Not, not as the front man for all of this. It's not that he's going to be doing it all, but to help us to worship. To help us to worship. Come and move. And then the Holy Spirit shook the place and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. It does not say that the holy huddle were filled with the Holy Spirit. It does not say that the apostles were filled with the Holy Spirit. It says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And then they all spoke the word of God boldly. There was this problem. They brought it to the Lord. The Holy Spirit comes. They all get filled with the Holy Spirit. Everyone gets to play. And they all spoke the word of God. Folks, I think we really do have to have a discipleship focus for everything that we do. It's, it's woven right into the vision stuff that I outlined this time last year about following the way of Jesus. Can I tell you what the first few chapters of Acts do not include? They do not include any mention of priests. They do not involve theological training. They do not, it does not involve silver chalices or vestments or even fancy church buildings. It doesn't involve any of that stuff. What it involves is the spontaneous expansion of the gospel. A clear gospel message that is deeply rooted in discipleship over a long period of time and it is drenched in the Holy Spirit. It's not like it's all effort. It's all Him. You, you might ask me, Mark, what, you know, what's the Bible basis for saying that it's all about discipleship? Surely it's, it's all about loving God and loving our neighbour as ourselves. Well, yes, except that That's in the middle of the story and what Jesus said at the end of the story is therefore go and make disciples and teach them to obey. The love God is one of the things he said we were to obey. We're supposed to be disciple makers empowered by the Holy Spirit. This picture that's behind me now was took the other day when Pam was leading us in worship. Um, I think it's one of Chrissy and Rob's kids just gazing up. You know, that's, that's a beautiful picture of discipleship, isn't it? Of us learning how to gaze upon the King of Kings and learning together how to do that as we pray, as we worship, as we reflect on the Word of God. Justin Welby puts it like this. I've used this quote before. 
that's because it's good. And it's also from uh, the Archbishop of Canterbury, so let's have some of that in there. He said this, uh, I think it was in his one of his opening lectures just after uh, he got installed, I think, if that's the right word. Uh, first, the church exists to worship God in Christ Jesus. That's the love God bit. Second, the church exists to make new disciples of Jesus Christ. Everything else is just decoration. Some of it may be very necessary, useful or wonderful, but it's just decoration. We can't do the loving God bit without the next bit. If we love him, this is what we'll do. If you love me, you obey my commands. They go hand in hand. And so, folks, this this little series, what I'm trying to get us into, it is that our meeting together is so much more than an hour on a Sunday. This is a living, breathing network of people that goes across Western, across Bath, across the outskirts around Western and Bath. That we happen to have this this house, this base that we live in. You know, it's been extended before and it will get extended again. We will get there with that. But it's a sending place. It's a sending place. We come in to meet together, to encourage one another. But we get sent out every single time. You, you know, you don't, you don't get to, to nip down to Tesco's and come back here and have breakfast on a Monday morning. You have to do that in your home. Because we send you out every single week. And what we'd love to see with this way of just kind of talking about communities rather than services. If we're saying there are five communities at the moment, what, what, what I'm looking for and I hope you're looking for too is is where's the Holy Spirit breathing amongst us? You know, where's he kind of stirring someone to come to faith so that a home group which was discouraged and was kind of feeling like, well, you know, shit, is it time to stop? Becomes encouraged and growing and people are coming to faith. That new home groups start to pop up with whole sections of people that maybe haven't even made a decision to follow Jesus yet, but are learning together how to do that. We've got some of those at the moment, and it's wonderful to hear about those things. Why do I think this is so important? I I think it's so important because if we can do the central stuff well, the finances and the buildings and the safeguarding and the organizing of of central gathered events like this, if we can do that stuff well, then we should be able to be really fast moving around the edges. So that when you're walking home from work on Monday or Tuesday and you happen to walk with someone who's also got off the same train as you. And they they say the ordinary stuff. You know, how was the day? Yeah, I was alright, it was a bit long. Can I give you a great line? 
And I, this is one of the best questions you could ever... I mean, it's probably not the best, actually. It's, it's an okay, average question, which you might want to take on. A really good question to ask someone is, how was your weekend? And then listen to all the things they tell you about their weekend. Why is it such a good question? Because if they have got any remnant, any any hint of Jane Austen-esque English human beingness, then their next question after they finish talking will be, how was your weekend? And you could say, hey, do you know what happened? We had this queue at communion. There were these kids. They were running everywhere. And Dave stood up at the start and, he's, and he talked about the kids. And he said it was okay. Oh, it's an amazing place. You should come. Would you try that? A little challenge for you. I mean, you know, because sometimes to dive straight into, how was your day at work? Oh, let me tell you about Jesus. (laughs) For some people, that's a bit of a leap. Other people, frankly, that might be what just what they need to hear in that moment. In which case, go for it. Alright? But for most other people, probably, how was your weekend? And actually be interested. Alright? And when you talk about this place, don't just talk about all the Stuff around the edges. But drop it in. Even if it's subtly. But the reason why this place is special is because here, as in our homes and on the streets, we meet with the King of Kings. We meet with Jesus, our risen Savior. Last thing and In a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand and we're going to sing as we close. You see, Acts doesn't talk about priests. Uh, You know, I am one. Claire's one. Uh, Monica's one. Where's Monica? She was here earlier. She's down at the church, huh? She's looking after Victoria. What a wonderful thing. You know, there's a few of us around. But you know the most important, the, re, the reason why we, you know, Claire and I have bothered to do this whole training thing is not for us. It's for the priesthood of all believers. It's for all of us standing in the call that God has given us to help to be the kind of people that point to Jesus Christ. And you can do that whether you are young or old. You can do that whether you've been following Jesus for 20 years or for two minutes. In fact, you can even do it if you've not made a decision to follow him yet. Okay? In fact, some of the best people I've met for being evangelists are those that haven't quite made the decision themselves yet. Because no one's told them that evangelism evangelism is tricky. It's like, come on! What I'd love us to do is, is to stand together in a moment and to stand together as the priesthood of all believers. Okay? 
as disciples of Jesus Christ. Come on up, Jay. You know, yeah, come on, come on. Because I, 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 don't, I don't want us over the next 5, 10, 30 years to be running after stuff that is not... I want us to catch up with what the Holy Spirit is doing. To be a community that grows in faith. That grows in number. And you know what God has put around you? People that don't yet know Him. And you are to be priests to each one of them. Let me pray. Lord, as we stand together, Lord, we don't want to put down the systems, the institution. We are grateful for our heritage. But Lord, in this generation, in this time, Lord, we want to do the things that count. That we would walk in step with you. And so we stand together as the priesthood of all believers, as a community on a mission, in co-mission with you. And we say, Lord, consider the problem. Consider what's going on in the world. Send your Holy Spirit and open our mouths that we would speak boldly. In Jesus' name, amen.